Snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I never thought I would do play-by-play to a TikTok on the show, but here we are. Boring. Okay. Baxter. Baxter. Twice if you're in Milwaukee. That's unbelievable. Damn. Rest of, rest of the show's downhill from here. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. It is our pleasure now to welcome on the head coach of BYU basketball in what has been a remarkable first season in his tenure, Mark Pope. Welcome to the show. Mark Pope, what's up? How you doing? Now, I'm pretty sure you tweeted at about 1 a.m. So what time did you go to bed last night? No, no, I was I was headed out, but then I, I walked out of the annex and uh, and this uh, massive conglomeration of tents was out there. Everybody was kind of uh, uh, you know there's a lot of juice after the win last night, and I think everyone's trying to stay warm. Uh, so I got to walk up and down the tents to take some pictures. It was awesome. This is big time, man. You don't find this. I don't know anywhere else in college basketball right now. I don't know if there's anywhere else in college basketball right now that's got fans like this getting ready for senior night. It is so special. This group back here and the entire Rock is like nowhere else, man. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. And that's saying a lot. You played at Kentucky. You played at Washington. You played in the NBA. What kind of difference have they made this season, and, and do you expect them to make tomorrow night? Yeah, yeah. Well, they need to. You guys need to make a huge difference for us tomorrow <laughs> night. Okay? This is. Uh, we talked all season long about doing this together. The only way we're going to get this done tomorrow night is we all do this together. But um, just, I mean, you can go straight to the numbers in terms of second half free throw percentage. We talked about it a lot. We played a great St. Mary's team in this gym a couple weeks ago, and they're perfect from the free throw line on that end with no student section behind them in the first half. And they're four for nine in the second half on this one, and we end up winning by winning by a bucket. So you talk about making a real difference. The Rock makes a huge difference. We're we're genuinely like this is factual. We are not where we are today without the Rock. It's unbelievable group. Yeah, we saw the difference they made. Santa Clara missed some big free throws late last night, Uh, and you won last night's game a little bit differently. Only three three pointers. A bunch of free throws. T.J. Haas goes 12 for 12. He's able to get into a nice rhythm there from the free throw line. What did you learn about your team last night uh, in that win against Santa Clara? Well, first of all, like, I mean, I'm not going to hear the end of it from Coach Burgess and Yoli Childs and Kobe Lee because they're like, we're the three-point shooters on this team now. (laughs) (laughs) We're the guys. Forget Jake Toulson and T.J. Haas and Alex Barcelo and Connor Harding. It's us. So we got to deal with that for the next 48 hours. <laughs> um, but, but listen, I mean, you, the, you know, our team, the way these guys function together and, and the, how the, as willing as they are to share, you have to pick your poison. So last night they said, hey, we're, we're, not, we're garden shooters. We're not coming to help. And, and you said TJ Haas free downhill, and he showed you what he can do last night. I mean, in the guts of the game, tied up, tied up 66-66, he goes on a spree where he counts for the next 15 straight points either by scoring or, or with assists. And, and um, you know that's dangerous, and that but that's you kind of have to pick your poison, and and that's what Santa Clara chose last night, and and uh, and T.J. Haas says that was the wrong answer. <laughs> he took over, and as Mark Durant said, T.J. freaking Haas, right? Man, T.J. freaking Haas! <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what. Let me tell you about this T.J. Haas. So we played at San Francisco eight games ago, and uh, took a really tough loss, and and. Um, and, and there were some moments in there where T.J. didn't perform like he should. 
really especially on the defensive end, but also a couple offensive mistakes, a couple deals with the referees, whatever. We had uh, some serious conversations after that. And talk about the tear he has been on since then. You talk about answering the bell and responding. I mean, I don't know if there's a better point guard in America in the last eight games than T.J. Haas with what he's doing. I'm saying that sincerely. I don't know if there's a better point guard in America with, with the show he's been putting on. Certainly the last two games, it was exciting to pull those out, and they were different kind of games. And you had said, listen, we're going to have to win different kind of ways, right? But going into this game, certainly the way uh, you played in those wouldn't get it done tomorrow night. So what kind of difference are you hoping for from the team against a better Gonzaga well, team? Well, you know, we've got to find ourselves. Uh, one of the things that's going to be really crucial, I mean, there's a lot of things that are crucial. Everything is crucial in this game. It's the best team in America, right? So we have to, um, we, we have, this ball has got to move. This ball's got to move, and we got to be. We got to. We we have got to really work hard to get great shots for ourselves, and that's gonna. That is gonna mean nobody standing holding the ball. There's gonna be. It, this cannot turn into an isolation game, and that's what the Zags do. They get you so twisted up and so sideways, and they're actually guarding at such a high level right now. They're better than they were in the beginning of the season. Um, that you have to do this as a team, and our pop rule and simple plays and and working hard to to to, to get an easy shot is going to be really important for us on the offensive end, on the defensive end. How you manage these guys in transition. This Woolridge, their starting point guard, I think he's the fastest human being in the world right now. <laughs> he is so fast down the court. You see clips of him. He's starting, and he passes nine bodies on the way to scoring in transition. He's, he's just so fast. Uh, their backcourt is really athletic, and, and their bigs, of course, run and, and cause huge problems at the rim in transition. So clearly we got our hands full, uh, but, but I, I couldn't ask for anything better on senior night. I could not ask for a better scenario senior night than to have the setup we have right now. You're going to be pushing 19,000 fans in the Marriott Center. The hype is real. And on paper and around the country, Gonzaga is expected to win this game. Can you use that? And if so, how do you use that as a mental advantage for your guys? Well, I think it's fun. I mean, it's, 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 it, there's nothing better than putting a chip on your shoulder and trying to go prove something, trying to do something that nobody believes you can do. That, that's the best thing in sports. And, and, uh, and then when you get to try and do something no one thinks you can do, in this gym, with, with this rock and 19,000 fans on senior night, it just makes it more special. And, um, and, and, and so we're excited. Uh, we understand how great this team is coming in here. And we also know we're a really good team, and, and we're going to come battle. You played Gonzaga. You played San Diego State. You played Kansas. You played three of the top four seeds, all without Yoli Childs. Yep. What kind of difference can Yoli Childs make in this game? Well, uh, you know, Yoli is an automatic 20 and 10, right? Uh, he just is. It's, 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 it's as close as a guarantee as you get in the game of college basketball. He helps us so much on the glass. He helps us physically, defensively. His ball screen defense has been terrific. His transition defense has actually been really, really great. And he's such a force to be reckoned with in the post. It makes it really hard to switch one through four. We'll see how the Zags deal with that. Maybe they will. Uh, but there's so many parts of the game that he affects, uh, and, and he's going to have a huge night tomorrow. Dalton Nixon is one of your very valuable seniors on this team, and you have been adamant about what he means to this specific group as a glue guy and the heart and soul of the team. Because he's out right now, how do you make amends for Dalton Nixon? Well, there is nothing that I'm more excited about announcing 
than that Dalton Nixon will play tonight, except I can't announce it because he can't play tomorrow night. <laughs> and that is, that is. I was that like, is, you don't have a game tonight, that, Mark. It's tomorrow. That is so devastating because we miss him. Uh, you know, he's such a huge, I mean, there's so many ways that he affects our game. But listen, this Gavin Baxter is, is finding his flow. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's had two weeks. He's had a week and a half of live basketball in the last, in the last five months. But I expect his trajectory to be really good. He's going to help us. Zach Selyus was a difference maker in the game last night. He was outstanding. Uh, he's going to be huge in this game. And we'll do it as a group. Um, you know, Kobe Lee's going to play more minutes. And, and Yo's going to probably play 40 minutes tomorrow. And we'll figure it out. Give us a sense of what it's like on the other side because you played on a national championship team. You're getting everyone's best shot. You played ranked teams on the road like this. They didn't have BYU Sports Nation like this. No, but, they, they, yeah. did they did not have Jeremy Spencer. They did not have that. No, they did not. They probably had someone weird like me, let's be honest. What's it like to be on that end where you go, oh, okay, we're going into a hostile environment and we've got to try and come out here with the win. How do you, how do you use that experience? Well, listen, uh, they're going to be excited. I mean, th- this is an extraordinary venue. Uh, you know, they, they play a great schedule. And they're not going to walk into a gym like this all season long. And so, uh, they, they, you know, there's they're going to be a no loss for motivation because it's just it's an extraordinary opportunity when you get to come in this building and play. I've done it as an opposing team and and the home team. Oh, we remember. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> it's it's extraordinary. Uh, this is what you dream about as a as a as a young person. You dream about coming to get to compete in this environment. The Zags are going to be no different. They're going to be they're going to be excited to come in here. They'll look forward to it. Uh, you know. They they know they're coming into a, a, an incredibly, incredibly hostile, irreverent environment, <laughs> and 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 they're going to be excited to come play. Uh, it is every athlete. This is what you live for. BYU head basketball coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. We are live in the Marriott Center. You were a guest of Jim Rome uh, two days ago, and I, I quote him at the end of the interview. He said, "Mark Pope was an absolute freaking revelation. Okay, <laughs> chasing revelation. discomfort. It was so good." How does this atmosphere, this this interview, compare to that one you do with Jim well, Rome? I mean, come on. This Jim Rome, I mean, so The Rock doesn't really know Jim Rome because it's a younger generation. But for, for us old people, man, we grew up on this and we watched him, you know, get, get into a fist fight with Jim Everett and the whole deal, man. <laughs> yeah, Chris. And, uh, exactly, exactly. And so it was really fun to be on the show. But I, I like it. You know, this is what I like. This is, this is the best part about it. Jim Rome came calling because our team is balling right now. That's just the truth. That's why people want to talk to us because our guys are playing right now. And, you know, what they've accomplished so far this, this season is, is so special. And we still have a ton of work to do. Starting, you know, tomorrow night is such a huge night. And then, and then we're going to keep playing for, for a while. We're going to keep fighting and playing and winning and see what we can do with the rest of the season. You mentioned the senior night. Certainly going to be an emotional night. Uh, seven seniors, three of which are all-timers, right? Yeah. You could argue seven are all-timers. Yeah. But uh, Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson, T.J. Haas and these guys, it's going to yeah. be an emotional night with a lot of juice but a lot of uh, – energy there, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I have no idea what we're going to see, boys. I know our guys <laughs> are going to be crying and laughing and and screaming and sweating, and that's all before the game even starts, right? So uh, it's going to be a really, really emotional night, um, and I think it's going to be emotional for everybody here in this Marriott Center, too, because we've all got to witness these guys. That That's the best part of this. Me as a coach, I've got to witness these young men grow and fight and overcome adversity and live through disappointment and rise up again and ring the bell, and, and they've done that all for us. You know, they're out here competing for us, and, and, and so the fact that we all get to share this, 
night together. I, I, I'm telling you, I couldn't ask for a better thing. I said this last night. You think about these seniors and what they've earned. They've earned the right to have their senior night in a gym that's been sold out for a week with two uh, top 25 teams battling out together on a seven-game winning streak with a chance to to really make some noise in postseason play uh, as a senior. You can ask for a better thing. And then to have The Rock here yeah, uh, cheer him on the whole time, man. Very few seniors ever get that in their career. Very few. And so I'm so happy for these guys. They've earned it. You were taking pictures with uh, some fans at Center Court last night. I was talking to your wife, Leanne, and I mentioned to her, we've done 1,704 episodes of this show, <laughs> and never has BYU basketball had a ranked team yeah. until now. Yeah. What a run, my friend. Congratulations thus far yeah. on a great season. Well, it's, it's these guys, and, and uh, listen, we can't be done yet, right? we got a lot of work to do. Um, there's going to be there's so much. The hype surrounding this game is so fun. It's going to be great, and, and we're going to come compete, and, 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 and we got a lot more coming after this, too. All right, Mark, great to have you with us. Go get a donut on the yep. way out or Let's something, go. you know? Hey, thank you guys for being here. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Thanks, Appreciate Mark. you guys. Thank you. You got it, bro. Right, have a good one. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. We have just learned there is some breaking news. BYU Sports Nation breaking news. There's a new AP college basketball poll out, and the Cougars are number 23. Yeah, baby! For the Woo! first time since Jimmer Fredette wore wow. a jersey at BYU, yes. the Cougars are in the AP Top 25, number 23. That's awesome. This is great. Again, we said at the end of the day, this isn't uh, a big deal in terms of what it does for the tournament. What it, but maybe, maybe there's this perception now that BYU climbs a little higher. And the fact that BYU is going to have that little 23 on there. And Gonzaga is going to have the two. That's awesome. We have a ranked matchup. Top 25 matchup. Now, now, this is the first ranked matchup between Gonzaga and BYU ever then. First. We've never had this. Because, because Gonzaga BYU's not been ranked. While they were an 11 seed in 2011 in March Madness. They wouldn't have they been were ranked. They not a You're ranked like team. in the 40s, right? Yeah. But slash, that was weeks before, like two weeks before they had the final eight people of the regular season. So BYU ranked 23. This is cool. I, that's my favorite number, naturally. Michael Jordan. <laughs> my last name's Jordan. That's my favorite number. So this is awesome. Being ranked is cool because people notice you a little bit more. I was pay- Listen, I'm not a huge college basketball fan outside of like what BYU does in the WCC, but this week I was paying attention to the other teams in the high teens and low 20s just because of this. Oh. Now, and now I'm like, oh, okay. And that's BYU's saying something. In. Your college basketball interest really was peaked. Oh, so-and-so, up, so-and-so upset so-and-so. Did they move like two seed lines? They're still going to be like a four or five seed. Who cares? But it matters Like now. Virginia beat North Carolina. Who can- Both run ranked. I don't- whatever. BYU in the top 25. This is exciting. And uh, Gonzaga sold out. The juice in the Marriott Center on Friday is going to be, sorry, Saturday. It's going to be unbelievable. Even on Thursday. Even on Thursday it's, now. Yes, because now BYU's a ranked team. So the Cougars have to be wary, by the way. Hey, now the bullseye's on officially, right? But the bullseye was on when BYU went on the road and played anybody in terms of, okay, the second in the league. This is a three-bid league. BYU's a quad one game for everybody they play. Being uh, in the 20s, right? As long as you're in the top 30. Now BYU's ranked. Now it's different. So, but this is a senior-heavy group. Seven seniors will play their final two home games this week. 
and they're ready for this. Uh, we, we talked to uh, uh, Nick Robinson on Friday, asked him about the pressure, and he said, no, this team is, is ready to handle it because we're extremely focused. They've been goal-oriented from the beginning. And how about this? Mark Pope in year one gets a ranked team. Creates a ranked team. He gets Jake Toulson. He gets Alex Barcelona. He brings back Yoli Childs. Childs. Yeah. This team is fun to watch. And now, th- so far, this is the most validating moment for BYU men's basketball of the season. That the AP poll is saying, you know what? You are one of the top 25. We've seen BYU in other little polls, right? Individuals. Jeff Goodman. Andy Katz. And some of the metrics. The but net this, rankings. The net rankings, which is the most important. But to me, this feels like the most validating moment of the season. Number 20. That little number that really has no impact on the NCAA tournament, but yet it matters so much because it is so rare for BYU. You said seven times in the last 38 seasons. Cougar so stats. Now, what? So now eight times in the last 38 seasons? That's, that's how rare it is. Are you kidding me? That's wild. And... Let's be honest, it hasn't happened in nine years, so there, there was this big gap. So I was noticing something after the BYU game at San Diego on CBS Sports Network. They go back to the panel, Seth Davis is there, John Rothstein is there, and they spend an extended few minutes talking about BYU and the potential they have in the NCAA tournament. And John Rothstein says the most underrated dynamic duo in college basketball is T.J. Haas and Yoli Childs. And Seth Davis talks about just great teams finding a way to win these close games and that the Cougars are deserving. So it, it's, it's unique territory. I'm just like, wow, the national guys matters. are all in on BYU. They, they are paying attention to everything that BYU does now. It's been a long time since that happened. Growing old has been the best possible thing for BYU. Senior TJ Haas, senior Yoli Child, senior Jake Toulson, right? Connor Harding is developing. Uh, Colby Lee is developing as a sophomore now. This has been such a fun season. This has been the most fun I've had since triple doubles and Chase Fisher making threes and whatnot. But BYU wasn't able to validate in this way. This is another level. This is clearly the best team since Jimmer Fredette because they get ranked. They're in the mix for a a non-8-9 or Dayton situation, right? And now BYU has a chance at like a six. But go and beat Gonzaga Saturday and really climb up. That that would shake things up even more. Well, think about that leadership and veteran trend. Jimmer Fredette was a senior. Jackson Emery yes. was a senior. Yes, absolutely. And you had juniors, Charles Buo. Brandon Davies was a junior. Right. Like they, they were an experienced Magnuson, basketball senior. senior right? yeah. okay. By the way, uh, the April people <laughs> comes out. It's been so long since BYU was ranked that they don't even have BYU's logo. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even have the logo in there. Just what, a what, blank what, white space. What, what in the world? BYU. Yeah, and Brigham. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 2015. Uh, Tyler Haas, senior. Kyle Collinsworth, junior. Chase Fisher, junior. That all matters. It does matter. As much as we'd like to think a freshman and sophomore version of these guys will do. These aren't, this isn't at Duke, BYU, North Carolina? At Come BYU, on. experience and leadership, they just carry way more weight. It matters. And use your 25 year old. Return missionary advantage. So, awesome. BYU ranked number 23. They're going to play Gonzaga as a ranked team for the first time. This is awesome, man. Also, BYU, can BYU we, hoops. Can we get the logo, AP, top Let's 25? Get, hey, I'll personally tweet Can it. we get the BYU logo to the AP top 25? You need a vector? We certainly have that here. Okay? What do you need? 
<laughs> I'll email you a high resolution I graphic. Will, I will right fa- now. I will fax you a Windows <laughs> Media Maker art piece. Later. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We are pleased to welcome longtime college basketball analyst and insider for ESPN, Duke alumnus and former fifth-round NBA draft pick, and don't you forget it, Jay Billis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jay, great to have you back on the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Let's start with your Twitter response to Jonathan Tavernari last week about rejoining the Bald Brethren, complete with the infamous eye-gouging picture. We have to put JT in timeout occasionally, so that was an appreciated post. Yeah, I just don't know why he would want to leave the Brotherhood and go over to the dark side and have hair on that melon. That just doesn't seem like the right move to me when he was uh, so much better looking uh, with uh, with the bald head. Not that he's good looking at all, but he was better. <laughs> he shaved his head at BYU, and everyone's like, "What's going on?" So yeah, he's bad. I yeah, decision making. I don't know what's going on. Um, let, let's talk about the uh, I guess the news with BYU yesterday as BYU cracks the top twenty five. Not a metric used in the tournament resume, but something BYU hasn't done since Jim Fredette played here in twenty eleven. So what do you think that means for BYU hoops right now, being number twenty three in the eight people? Well, it means they're a good team, and I think uh, you know I got a chance to watch them for for uh, you know four or five days out in Maui, watch them practice, and then uh, watch them play in person. And that was without Yoli Childs. He was that ridiculous suspension for the NCAA for you know having the audacity to go for a job interview. Uh, but you know I was really impressed with the way they play. They've got a number of different shot makers. They've got guys that can handle it, uh, play on the perimeter. They move the ball, and they're they're good cutters. But they've got they've got so many guys that can stretch you, and so you can knock down that many threes. It opens up cuts. It opens up drives. And then, uh, I think Jake Toulson's one of the best shot makers in the country. Uh, now with Childs back, um, you know, it gives them a, an inside presence. Uh, so they they're really what I would consider a complete team. ESPN's Jay Billis with us on BYU Sports Nation. You mentioned Maui, and you spent some time with Yoli Child specifically. What kind of impression did he leave you with? One, he's just a really nice man, and he is a man. Uh, we tend to call these players kids, and they're they're all adults. But but he's a uh, just a, a great young young man, and uh, he's got a terrific sense of who he is. And then he's also an outstanding player. Uh, but. I think both those things are related, that uh, he's a great teammate and uh, wasn't sitting there. Like, I was more upset about his situation than he was. He was ready to move on. Just, there was nothing he could do about it. I thought there was plenty I could do about it, which was complain about a ridiculous situation that was created by the NCAA for no reason. But, um, you know, he handled it incredibly well. He was really supportive of his team and his teammates, and, uh, I don't think you're going to find a, a nicer person uh, in anybody's uniform. Last week you wrote about BYU as a Sweet 16 contender. What is it about the Cougs uh, that makes you think that? Well, much of what I said before, they're just so good offensively. I mean, they're not a great defensive team, but they guard. Um, and they're, they're, the problem that they have is that they're, they're not a great rim-protecting team. Uh, so, you know, they can be, uh, they can be had a little bit inside the arc, 
but uh, they're, they're such a good three-point shooting team, um, and they take care of the ball so well, they, they provide themselves extra possessions by not giving the ball up. You know, it's not like they're, they're a great offensive rebounding team or anything like that. But they, uh, you know, they do, they do a very good job um, on the offensive end and control the game from that standpoint. Uh, they're not going to choke you off defensively. Uh, but in the tournament, you know, I think they're going to be able to, to knock shots down. And they could do it from multiple positions. It's not like they just got two guys that, that make a lot of threes. They've got five or six guys that can, that can hit a shot, and they can all handle the ball well. So they can they can expose teams that don't have uh, you know multi multi positional defenders and uh, and they play they play really well together. So I think they've got a very good opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them in the second weekend. Do you feel like seeding matters in terms of uh, for BYU to try and get to a Sweet Sixteen? Because right now for BYU, we're basically praying BYU just doesn't get an eight or nine. Almost anything else would be way better than that, right? Avoiding a potential one in the second round. Yeah, that's that's kind of the issue. Is you know you you want the best seed possible, but then there are certain seeds where uh, it's crushing. You'd rather get a ten uh, uh, than a than an eight or nine. But uh, you know the the one thing that that you can't control is where you're seated, so it's not worth worrying about. Um, you know, I think what what BYU just wants to do is keep playing, and fans can worry about it if they want to. I always love it when when fans will come up and say, "Hey, you know." Uh, should I be nervous? And I'm going, you can be nervous if you want to. Um, that's <laughs> because how you can be drunk if you want to. How you feel isn't going to have any bearing on the outcome of the game. That's our like, audience, uh, Jay. Players, yeah, it's how the players feel. Uh, <laughs> I always, I always thought, I'm ready for this game. Well, it really doesn't matter if you're ready. It matters if they're ready. Uh, <laughs> I, I always enjoy that one. Um, but you know, look, there's nothing anybody can do about that. That's going to be decided by the committee. And, and then the first day or two after the committee decides, we'll all complain about the decisions we don't agree with. But when we get to Thursday, everybody's got to play and all those things go away. Uh, you don't worry about it as much. ESPN's Jay Billis on BYU Sports Nation. Right now, your colleague Joe Lenardi is projecting BYU as a number six seed in his latest bracketology. What's the realistic ceiling for this BYU team on the seeding line? I, I think I think in the in the five range that that's probably going to be where it winds up if you look at all the metrics. But you know, all these things now are based upon if it ended today, and it doesn't end today. So if if BYU, you know whether or not BYU beats Gonzaga, that's really the the thing that that is going to move the needle. So if BYU is able to beat Gonzaga. Uh, at home and then can turn around and get to the final of the tournament, maybe beat Gonzaga again, that would that would greatly enhance the, the resume. That that's really all that's left uh is is don't slip on banana peels and, and see if you can knock off the big shot in, in your league. Uh, other than that, there aren't a lot of high value targets left on the schedule. How do you see Gonzaga? Seven dudes averaging 10-plus. They're number two in the country. It's going to be a great environment. First ranked matchup between these two on Saturday night on ESPN2. Uh, how do you assess the Zags at this point? Ridiculously good. Um, they may <laughs> not be quite as good def- defensively as, as they've been in, in some past years, but they've got so many playmakers. Uh, you know, Corey Kispert's a, uh, an excellent player that can really score, and he's strong, can put it on the deck. And I'm a big believer in their guard, Ryan Woolridge, who transferred in from North Texas. He, he's a stud. Uh, Joel Ayayi can, can really rebound from the guard position. And, 
you know, I know Killian Tilly's not completely healthy, so I don't know if he plays or not. If he plays, uh, that adds a different dimension to their team because he's a you know magnificent passer. But uh, uh, Philip Petrusev is is one of the I'd say handful of the very best big guys in the country and uh, very difficult to deal with. Um, so they've got they've got everything. Um, they may not be quite as good as the team that they had in I think 2017 that went to the title game and lost in North Carolina, but they're not far off of that offensively. Uh, they they just don't have the same kind of uh, rim protection as they had then with Zach Collins and, and Karnowski who protected the entire lane. Uh, but they're they're legit. They're they're really good, and they're they're this year they're. Uh, I think as good as anybody, uh, especially offensively. They, they score 85 falling out of bed. They're, they're really good. Jay, BYU will host one of those banana peel games on Thursday against an improved Santa Clara game, and then, of course, the massive showdown with second-ranked Gonzaga on Saturday. What kind of chance do you give BYU to beat the Zags in front of 19,000 fans at the Marriott Center? Much better than if they had 17,000 or 12,000. Yeah, I think it's a that's a great place to play, and it's a difficult place for any opponent. So you know, winning at home is a, a a big test. You know, you have to when winning on the road is difficult, and especially winning you know winning at Gonzaga proved to be extraordinarily difficult. Uh, you know, when you get when you get the the league champ on your home floor, you have, have to take a swing at him and, and knock him out. And BYU is capable of it, but uh, but they're going to have to to play their best. I think. In Maui, you walked on the beach and chatted with Yoli Childs. <clears throat> we were wondering if you wanted to follow that up with perhaps a, a go on the slopes in Park City or something. Is that something <laughs> you're interested in? As long as I can snowplow down the hill, I'd be fine. I haven't skied <laughs> since I was a little kid, and uh, and I don't like to be cold. So those are you know two things that kind of <laughs> cut against skiing for me. I don't think it's going to work out. Yeah, okay. The, be- the beach it is. Uh, we'll finish with this, Jay. In your opinion, does the West Coast Conference deserve three bids in the 2020 NCAA tournament? I don't know. That's a, that's a hard one just because of who else is going to be in the mix. If there's going to be a year where multiple bids come out of the league, this is the one. Um, you're talking about BYU, St. Mary's, and, uh, and Gonzaga, right? Yeah. Yeah. BYU uh, is in. Um, I think Gonzaga is in. St. Mary's is the, is the other question. And it's just a... To me, this year, so the narrative has been this year that anybody can win on a given day, that, that we've got parity out there and uh, there's nobody that's separated and all that stuff, which I don't think is true. I think teams have separated. You know, B- Baylor hadn't, has lost one game. That's separation. Uh, and Gonzaga has lost one game. That's separation. But um, if, if you go with this theory that anybody can win on a given day, then my question is, all right, how many given days have you had? And if you haven't had a lot of given days against some of the teams that have had a lot of given days, then uh, you're probably not going to be uh, in line to make the tournament field. And the problem that, that uh, you know, sort of the at-larges have is that a number of spots are taken up by automatic qualifiers that, frankly, aren't very good. And, and that's just the nature of the tournament. They take the, the league champions of these leagues that just don't have great competition in them. And so we're, you know, frankly, we don't have the 68 best teams in the tournament every year. We have, uh, you know, the the 40 best teams plus a, a number of other teams that that are given, you know, sort of an e-ticket into the into the field. And some people think that's great. I don't have a problem with it, but uh, but I know better teams are being left out, so that that you know, 
these these smaller conferences that that frankly don't have as good of teams can have a, a game on championship week that 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 seems exciting. Jay, it's great to have you on the show again. We know how busy you are. And uh, just to let you know, Jonathan Tavernari says he will shave his head if BYU makes the NCAA tournament. So we've got that going for us. Yeah, that's, that's well, that, then he's going to do it. It's just a question of when. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. Jay Billis on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Always great to have Jay on the show. I think, what, second time this season and uh, has great insight. Matter of fact, just straight up. Calling it how it is, his opinion, I, I can appreciate that candor. Yeah, one of the prominent voices in college basketball. And uh, it's, yeah. it's great to have rest him. The rest of the show's downhill from here. Except <laughs> we have good content that's going to be awesome. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Some football news in February now featuring one Taysom Hill and some significant ramifications for his football future based on what happened with future Hall of Famer Drew Brees yesterday. Drew Brees announced on Instagram that He's ready for the grind and the climb, and he's ready to do it again. Who that nation? He wants to come back and play at least one more year with the New Orleans Saints. So automatically, our thoughts, Jerem, went to, well, what does that mean now for Taysom Hill, who is a restricted free agent, which means, and I'm going to make this as simple as possible, that any team that makes Taysom Hill an offer in the NFL, the Saints have the opportunity to come and match that or surpass that and hold on to Hill for at least one more year. Yeah. But Taysom Hill said during Super Bowl week, if the Saints aren't all on, on me as a quarterback, I'm open to potentially shopping around and getting my quarterback opportunity because that is the end goal. Now, all of that said, once Hill uh, addressed the official news from Drew Brees, he said, I'd love to play one more year with Drew Brees. Well, yeah, because when Drew Brees retires, guess who's going to get the first shot? It's going to be Taysom Hill. Heir apparent. And we listened to a podcast with Peter King featuring Taysom Hill this morning, and there were some interesting things revealed there. Yes, uh, the fact that Sean Payton has uh, told people, including Peter King, I think I have Steve Young in the building. Whoa. Right? And and then Steve emerged and was like, oh, he was actually here. No. Taysom Hill is a bigger, stronger, faster athlete than Steve. Taysom's not the passer that Steve was, right? But uh, And Taysom has limited quarterback. His portfolio as a quarterback is very small. Like, for him to get a starter job would be somewhat of a stretch to me at this point. He needs this season to have more quarterback reps to go, oh, yeah, you really need to see what he can do. The idea of him as a quarterback is way more intriguing than what he's actually done at quarterback. But I think we, Cougar Nation, know that Taysom Hill could certainly play quarterback. There have been rumors, right, like should the Patriots uh, offer uh, an RFA uh, opportunity to Taysom Hill? Because they don't know if Tom Brady's coming back. Tom Brady's probably going to go back. To the He's going right? to play. He's going to play somewhere. But um, I, I read an article on, uh, on Nesson.com about, they were like, well, he hasn't played quarterback very much. That idea, right? So um, I'm interested to see who's interested in Taysom Hill. And if he, if he gets a restricted free agent opportunity, there's variances there, first-round tender, second-round tender, and so on, where basically you'd, you'd say, oh, we're going to give up a first-round pick and we'll – take him and will pay him as a first round pick. So it's either 110% of what you made last year or four point something million dollars. 
and that would be a major upgrade for Taysom. He's made beans for his production with the Saints, so he's going to get paid, which would be great. Yeah, I would guess that the Saints wouldn't be hesitant to do the first-round tender situation, which you just talked about, which means— And make him the backup. If They're not going to sign Teddy Bridgewater again. No, Teddy Teddy's, Bridgewater's going to go gone. somewhere and make $30 million. And Starter I think, at Tampa Bay, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's what Peter the most likely landing spot is Tampa Bay because they're in a mess with Jameis Winston. Like, you don't like 30 interceptions? Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and with the Saints. The Saints now need a backup quarterback. So why not put that first-round draft pick tender on Taysom Hill and say, if you want him— you have to compensate us with a first-round draft pick this year. And I don't know that a team in the NFL is willing to do that right now to get Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback when he's attempted 13 passes. Right. It's just not enough. The Saints know what Taysom Hill is because they can watch him practice every day. They have the best idea if he really is a quarterback, and that's why Sean Payton, what he says, carries more weight because he's with Taysom Hill every day in practice. The best opportunity for Taysom Hill – is to wait a year and then see if he can't be the guy. Because guess what? He's got Sean Payton. He's got Alvin Kamara. He's got Michael Thomas. And like, Drew Brees mentoring for a full like season again. It would have been three, right, total or whatever? Four. This four. would be the fourth. Four. That's awesome. That's a great experience. I know he likes New Orleans. He's had an impact there. We've talked about it. David Nixon, his brother-in-law, has, has been down there a bunch and says, he's one of the top four selling jerseys, which is insane. He, and, and Taysom Hill could perhaps become not just this gimmick guy, um, and people respect him and like him, right? But I'd love to see him at quarterback a little more. And in the playoff game, guess what? He kind of kept the Saints in the game. When Drew Brees left, it was kind of more exciting for the uh, Saints offense. So we'll see what the swan song season is like for Drew Brees and how much Taysom Hill gets. I just if don't he's see, still with the Saints this year. I don't see there's – I mean, it would take a wild scenario for someone to take a significant chance on Taysom Hill with limited numbers, not having the backdrop the Saints do. There's some desperate teams out there maybe. True. We'll see. And maybe they're trying to sell tickets and create buzz. I, I don't know. But Taysom Hill is the most intriguing restricted free agent in the game right now. It's, it's uh, I would argue – no. There's other more interesting ones. Really? I, I can't name names, but he's like – a guy who's thrown, thrown like 13 passes not and saying, he doesn't play Not saying regularly. he's the most he's not talented. Every guy not saying right he's now. the most talented or the best. I just think he's oh, the intriguing? most intriguing. Sure, there you go. Yeah. At Sporty McSports, if Drew is the breeze, Taysom is the hurricane. Okay. That's awesome. That's well played. That should and, be the elite tweet, even though it wasn't tweeted well, into this. And let's not forget, there's a real possibility. Drew Breeze is 41. That Taysom Hill could play some games this year, if he's the backup. Drew Brees is Drew 41. did have an injury exactly. to his thumb last year, by the is way. Is he going to go the whole season? I mean, there's a real opportunity that Hill could start games this year for New Orleans. Now, the question remains, what situation will BYU basketball be in when they get to Las Vegas? Will it be what they're pacing yes. for right now, a second-place finish and a double buy into Monday's semifinals on the men's side? Triple to the semis, by the way. It's triple. Oh, triple by. That's triple. right, because the 7-10 and the 8-9 the games so, count as yes. the first seven ten five six 7-10, 5-6 come in, 3-4 come in, bang. Triple it's a tr- by. Pass. I love it. Yeah. I don't love the triple by no, pass no, scenario. No, 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 no. But I do love the triple by scenario. What will BYU be dealing with? Hopefully it is playing in the semifinal on Monday and not before that. With that in mind, let's go to the latest BYU resume update. The Cougars. In the net rankings, Jerem, up two spots to number 21. It's all that work they did in practice. 
yesterday. It's Marquette losing last night to Creighton and other there are other college that basketball factor games? into it. In the KPI, oh, we've uh, we've disbanded. We we've disowned the KPI, correct? Yeah. Okay. Forty. Yeah. Okay. That that's out. Do you even do you even know what's going on? Strength of record remains the same. Not not a shock because awesome. BYU didn't play. Twenty nine. BPI. ESPN's basketball power index has BYU at nineteen. Ken nineteen. Palm, also with BYU at nineteen, and the Sagarin ratings have the Cougars at twenty seven. Okay. You want to make the NCAA tournament? Be top thirty in all of those yep. metrics. Yes, and then you are in absolutely. BYU's in all one hundred eight brackets with bracket matrix. Oh, Aver- there, there are one hundred eight today, and not ninety four. It fluctuates, like and I don't know why. What did bracket profits say? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, BYU's quad three win against UCLA and Maui, by the way, became a quad two after the Bruins went up two spots, one hundred one to ninety nine. So, someone asked me last night after the Pope show, "Can you explain the quad?" So, just a brief explanation. The NCAA rewards you for where you play. Okay, so uh, who you play and where you play. Yeah, who is sorted by the net ranking. Okay, there's a formula that goes into that that Google actually helped with. Cool, right? If Bing had made it, we wouldn't care anyway. Quad one: if you play a true road game, one through seventy-five, a neutral, one through fifty, and home, one through thirty. So teams fluctuate in the net ranking. So you can go from a quad one to quad two. For example, St. Mary's like thirty-four. That's a quad. Uh, two, two uh, at home, but on the road, that's a quad one. Does that make Does that make sense? So if you're one thirty five, like that's it's seventy six through one thirty five for a true away game, and then it, it just varies. Basically, you want to go on the road and play games. Yes, and, and win BYU games. has gone on the road and done that. You don't have to win them all. You don't even have to win half. You just have to have enough wins. And right now, BYU's resume looks good enough. Two and four in quad one. Four and three in quad two. It was three and three in quad two yesterday, by the way. UCLA, as mentioned. And 14-0 and in quad three. And, and depending four. on what happens with Pepperdine, if BYU wins at Firestone Fieldhouse in Malibu to close out the regular season, that could potentially... I mean, they're right on the cusp of being a quad two road victory. Then you knock them down if you beat them. So that, that, that's the give and take you of wonder, that. Is right? yeah. You win, but they're not going to climb if you beat them, right? Like, when, when BYU beat St. Mary's... In Vegas. In Vegas, in semifinal Monday, uh, St. Mary's going to drop a little bit because they lost. But they're firmly into the them, 30s. You just need them top 50 because that's a neutral game. Like St. Mary's wouldn't drop so 16 spots if BYU beat them in the semifinals. Well, it depends how bad. No, I'm just <laughs> No, that, that is going to be a quad one game on Selection Sunday, it would appear. Well, and Kerry Miller said... He doesn't have BYU higher on his seed line. He joined us, Bleacher Report, College Basketball Insider, because the Cougars don't have a more meaty, I think in his opinion, quad one resume. Well, yeah, BYU only has one, two wins. Houston and Utah State. At Houston and neutral Utah State. And Utah State's 41 and Houston is 27. Houston's a great win. But BYU doesn't have another one. That's why the Gonzaga game is massive. If BYU can win that, bang, you have validated how good you can be. You just beat a top-five team. Or beating St. Mary's on a neutral court in Vegas, I think, would help validate that as well. Surely, yes. Uh, but, it, but it would still be – it would be your second-best win, but it would be in the 30s or maybe low 40s. If you beat a top-five team, now everyone takes you seriously. Everybody. Maybe even KPI at that point. And BYU is legitimately on the five, maybe four-seed line discussion. Huge game. If that BYU, is wild. If BYU doesn't beat Gonzaga, they'll be all right. Damn, that's wild. Think about, the, think about the beginning of the season when we were like, yeah, it'd be great if BYU is just in the conversation of the NCAA tournament. They're on the bubble. I'm so happy that's not a thing. Um, it's way better. 
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now in Studio B to help us close out a record-setting show, if there ever were one, is a BYU record-setting runner for the 11th-ranked Cougar women's track and field team, Whitney Orton. Whitney, welcome back to Studio B. It's great to have you in here, especially because you guys just did a swimming workout. Yeah. So, yeah, you sprinted up here to get here. How how was uh, practice? Um, it was really great. My team, honestly, it was really it was really cool to see. They, um, Courtney was blow drying my hair. Oh, they were <laughs> yeah. they were helping you. <laughs> yeah, Courtney blow dried my hair. Anna was like eating her burrito, and I'm like, Anna, go get my car. I'm like, you got to get me there, you know. So Anna picked me up, took me. Yep. And now you're here. It was a medley relay it to really get you was. ready. And that broke a record as well, apparently. Really yeah. Was, yeah. That's awesome. You have recently broken three major records in BYU women's track and field. The 3,000 meters, the indoor mile, which you ran at a blistering four minutes, 29 seconds, and the 5,000 meter as well. What has changed in your approach over the last six months to allow you to do this? Um, I definitely think, like, last season was really just a rough one. Last indoor, I was struggling for sure you could ask coach t we were like in the dumps (laughs) she was like still like happy for everybody else like me and her like together we're like this is not we're we're just trying but it just kept going bad you know so i think that like having that bad season allowed me to like have a good like fresh mentality and be like hey i gotta really like show up for every race every race counts so and in seattle you did breaking the 3000 so walk us through kind of how that happened 84963 you shattered the previous record by 11 seconds yeah um i've never ran that race before so excuse I, me yeah you've never run the 3000 indoor <laughs> I've never run never run a 3K. You should probably run it again. <laughs> you should yeah, keep doing this. I guess I guess I'll maybe try it again. <laughs> okay, okay. But um yeah, so I didn't really know I've never experienced the pain of a 3K. I've experienced the 5K and the mile pain, so I was like it's probably somewhere between there, you know. So, yeah, just tried to compete for the win and just see what happens. So, but, you cross the finish line. Do you look up and realize what you've done? How long does it take? Who tells you? Um, the clock's like right there at the finish line. So I was watching it as I was coming in. I'm like, all right. <laughs> this, this is good, I think. I've never run this race, but I think this is good. That was yeah. the most underwhelming reaction to an amazing thing ever. Yeah, who that tells was... you that you okay. broke, who yeah. told you you broke the BYU record? I knew that I did because okay. I knew what it was before. And we've talked, we talked about it. It wasn't like, like she knew what fitness I was in. So she's like, you should do it. Like, if you don't, I'll be very surprised. Oh, Wow. Just because, like, my fitness Diljeet is where it is. had set the standard. Yeah, so I was like, okay. <laughs> and then so. you, you don't break the record of some random person from 88. No. You break Erica Burke Jarvis's record, your teammate and friend. Yeah. So what's that like? Yeah, I don't know. We do, we have, like, a good competitive, I don't know. It's good. Like, after my race, like, she was in the race and she fell down and, they were supposed to run. They were supposed to break the record too with like what they were going to do because they're in really great shape too. So it was like uh, it was unfortunate that they fell, but she's like super nice and super supportive, and I know that she's good enough to do the same thing. So I'm like, I just got it this time, you know. But you know, so um, we could see it broken again. You're saying this season. 
by you or somebody else? Well, they, Erica and Courtney, they're red shirt. Well, Courtney's red shirting and Erica's done with indoor, mm. so she can't break it again. Courtney can maybe break it next year. You guys can maybe have her sitting here <laughs> next time. Perhaps, <laughs> right? We'll see. <laughs> but. Yeah. Whitney Orton with us on BYU Sports Nation, record-setting runner for 11th-ranked BYU women's track and field. What is your training regime like? How do you get to this point to be in good physical condition? Um, I feel like this year has been different because I've had a whole year of cross-country, too. And in the past, I've been injured in cross country, so I've been and what an epic fitness. year of cross country oh. it was! Yeah, it yes, was so second, good. Almost it won was it. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that was so close. <laughs> it's okay. It was really, it was really cool. But yeah, I think just that extra cross country fitness does great things for the body. I've never experienced it. I'm like, I feel so much better in all my races. It's crazy, just extra strength and stuff. So, what's your favorite event? Um. I can't say that the 3K is my favorite, even though it's like when I'm ranked the best. All your running days of the yeah. 3K, right? <laughs> because I've only run it once. <laughs> so I'm like, I really, I really just don't know how I like, I like it, obviously. Like, it's good. It's a good race. But I've raced the mile so many times, and there's like a little extra like fire and motivation towards that. But I like them. They're all great. So just whatever I do the best at, probably. What record are you aiming for next? Um... Whatever one I I don't know whatever one I'm running. Okay. <laughs> What's the next one you're running? Uh, I don't I it's really fast. I'm not necessarily going for I'm just doing it for a little side event, but I'm doing the 800 I think at MPSF possibly. Okay. But it's not like that's just that's not that's not a that's not a I'm not saying anything. <laughs> oh, I haven't run it before. You know, maybe I'll just go out there and uh, break, break the, the record. record so, whatever, a little yeah. side event. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, job, no, no, that's, made not, a yeah. that's not what I'm saying. I'm, we're just kidding, Whitney. It's great to have you. Congratulations. Yeah, let's give really you some cool. BYU Sports Nation karma for the main events or the side events, whatever you're running. And, and PSF championships. The next thing. Mm-hmm. What are you saying? Okay. Good luck. Yep. Awesome. Back keep in Seattle, up. by the way. Just, back I know. in Seattle. We just keep going back. Pride of Penguich. Penguich, Utah. She could probably play basketball for Jeff Judkins, too. No kidding. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, Okay, thanks, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The reason we're here is BYU's playing as a ranked team, number 23 in the country. How awesome is this? against second-ranked Gonzaga tomorrow night. So how does BYU beat Gonzaga? It'll obviously take something special. And at the top of that special performance list are a couple of things for me. Number one, BYU has to make more three-pointers than Gonzaga. And I'm not worried so much about the percentage, Mm -hmm. but BYU... The volume needs to make more three-pointers than Gonzaga because the Zags are so efficient from the field. They're going to get a ton of two-point field goals. BYU can make up the gap a little bit there. They can offset the Zags' incredible offense that way. Uh, Number two, win the turnover margin. Gonzaga is so efficient with the basketball. Number one effective field goal percentage in the country. You can't give them freebies. You can't give them extra opportunities. And if I had a third, while I don't think it favors BYU in the least... If they can limit the offensive rebounding from Gonzaga, and again, give them second chance points. Gavin Baxter, that's where you can make a big difference, right? Come in and rebound. Those are the things. So, yeah, limit second chance opportunities or freebies with turnovers and offensive rebounds, and then make more threes than Gonzaga. BYU has played three number one seeds this year. Let's walk through it. San Diego State on this court. Oh, led by nine in that game. Should have won that game, right? Late in the second half. Kansas and Hawaii. Gonzaga up there. Tell me the common thread in all those losses. Yoli Childs didn't play in the game. 
Yoli Childs is playing in this game tomorrow, and I think he can make a huge difference. Is it enough to put BYU over the top? I hope so. I think it's enough to make it a competitive game at the end. And guess what? Guess where Gonzaga's playing? Not in the 6,000-seat kennel, but in the 19,000-seat sold-out Marriott Center. And that's where these guys can make a difference. They make an impact. They really will. A couple of points, right? And that can swing a game. But one of my end picks, one picks will reflect that. Gonzaga is freaking awesome. But BYU is a ranked team. They're going to play with Yoli Childs, and the Cougars are the number one three-point shooting team in the country. They haven't shot like in the last two games, but things can quickly change. So hopefully, BYU can get some open looks, knock it down. It's going to be crazy loud in here. And if BYU, I'm with you, the three-pointers are the thing I'm watching, and of course, Yoli Childs. You have to wonder if this crowd can make Gonzaga feel a little bit uncomfortable. Let's get weird. The workaholics theme, right? Let's get weird. BYU makes some threes. It's close late then we'll see how much mental toughness this Gonzaga team has. I think that they have it, but they haven't played in this type of environment this year as this specific team. And oh, by the way, it's senior night. Extra juice. Last home game for those seven guys. Right? Cougars ranked 23rd in the eight people, first time in nine years. That metric doesn't show up on the tournament resume or team sheet. So uh, how does the ranking affect the resume, in your opinion? It's funny how much better everybody feels, right? Oh, BYU is ranked. Why didn't yeah, we? It's, it's validating. It is validating. Yeah. But why didn't we feel validated with the net rankings, which... Because we're getting are, used to it. It's year two ...are the most three. important two. rankings uh, when it comes to seeding for the tournament committee. And BYU's a top 20 team in Ken Palm. All these other writers have BYU in the top 25, but there is something about the national consensus and that validating feeling. So it's difficult to measure how much it helps, if it helps at all, in terms of like directly impacting tournament resume status. But I will say this. If you're ranked, naturally you're discussed more. And whether or not the committee wants to admit it, when a team is talked about more, they will hear it more because they're watching a ton of basketball and keeping an eye on everything. They hear BYU's name more, and thus a program is validated more. At this point, ranked BYU is a lock for the tournament. That status won't change as long as the Cougars finish second in the West Coast Conference regular season. So it's validating, it's nice for the exposure, and it's good for BYU's name to be heard by all of the people that matter the most. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't help at all. Like, it's nice to be discussed, but the, the committee isn't like, oh, BYU. They've been paying attention. During the regular season, they have phone calls every couple of weeks with the conferences, like once a month. And then near the end of the season, it starts to become weekly, and the conferences are lobbying for their people, or their teams, rather. So, and there's two committee uh, members assigned to every league. One is primary, one is secondary. They are watching and aware all season what's going on with these teams right so BYU's in the mix you're exactly right though the net ranking is in its second year so we are not using that as like the the end-all be-all the committee has its own top 25 it's called the net ranking yes, right they that have matters the most they have a 353 uh, of all the teams BYU's been in that for what feels like a month right um but we're, we're still getting used to it. We're used to the eight people, so that's why it feels different, right? Um, at some point, we're going to say, hey, FPI greater than the coaches poll in football or something. You know what I mean? We'll get to that point. There are way more metrics in college basketball, which is fun. Football, we're starting to get that direction. But the AP poll does not help BYU in its resume at all. BYU looks really good on the resume. In fact, I would, I would uh, 
suppose that even if BYU lost the last three to finish the regular season, the Cougars would still be in brackets. (laughs) Just barely, right? (laughs) Even if they lost two quad threes. So far, so good. But BYU's got to take care of business against Santa Clara for sure, obviously. Play a great game against Gonzaga. Let's see if BYU can't upset the Zags at home. Granted, just a two-point game from Ken Palm. And then at Pepperdine's been a little tricky, right? You've been there. You called the game. I've, I've been in that gym. It's just just weird. So finish out strong. Go into Vegas as a two-seed for the first time in a couple years. Play on Monday, three weeks minus one day from tonight against St. Mary's, and let's go. Let, let, let's go. And then we go into Selection Sunday not going, ah, is BYU in, which would be awesome. We go, yes, they are. What seed? Just don't be an eight or nine. The most important Ranking and metric in college football is what happens in week nine or eight or whatever it is, the college football playoff poll, right? Right. Like that's the ultimate validating that's poll. The sl- that's the selection committee. That's the net in basketball. Yeah, they produce uh, right? a ranking that matters. Yeah. But that, that is yeah, the, net is the most polls. important ranking of all. And it's a and here's the thing, it's not an opinion poll though. It's a mathematical poll. There's no opinion. They don't go, well, Dayton's third. They just crunch True. the numbers and boom. It's the up. opinion comes when they seed for the tournament. Yes. Now they're, now they're yes, quantify Because you, you don't go just net, and eh, Yeah, there's shifting. And there's nuance. Like, BYU is a tricky team with no Sunday play. We've discussed actual rankings for the last 10 minutes in regard to BYU basketball. Now it's time for projected sort of rankings for BYU football. ESPN releasing the new Football Power Index preseason rankings for 2020 of all 130 FBS teams. BYU coming in at 62 in the preseason FPI. Jerem is 62 too high, too low, or just right for BYU football? It's unfortunately just right. I think this season is a 7-5, seven 6-6 and five, six and six type of year, given six power fives, two more than last year, right? And you're opening three or four on the road. Maybe that's a good thing for BYU, the way BYU's played on the road. I hope that BYU's like 8-4 and four and we feel better, but 62 is probably where you're at if you're a 6-6 six and six team, which I would pencil BYU in that way. I hope I'm super wrong with this. Just BYU's shown over time to win 40% against power fives, and on the road, it's like in the 30th percentile. I don't want to be 62 between Louisiana, Lafayette, and Arizona. That stinks. I want to be in the top 40, realistically. Top 40 would be nice. Unfortunately for BYU over the last three years, they have a losing record against group of five teams as well, which is very, very disconcerting. 11, they have a losing record against a group of five teams? 11 and 12. Really? Yes. Why? I have so many questions. Really? Wow. 11, 11 and 12 against and group of five? 12 against a group of five over the last three years. Let's go back to the Mountain West, says the idiot. Nope. So BYU would go 6-6 six and six in that league, too? BYU gets up for these Power 5 games in a different way. You're right. And I'm coming around to your opinion of, you know what, the real issue is not the Power Fives, it's the Group of Five. Because if the Group of Five, you win, okay, now you're probably 8-4. and four. Yes. But when you stack six Power Fives on 2020, <laughs> now Power Fives is an issue, right? Because BYU is asking for 2-4 and four or 3-3, three and three, historically. The, yeah, the problem is the percentages in, in the Group of Five games, the win percentage in the Group of Five games, and the win percentage in the Power Five games is too close. So fi- so it's f- too close. Yes. So five, five Group of Five games. And you're saying BYU is like a 500 team in the last three years? Or below 500? Yes. So BYU, okay, just based on those numbers, that's not how it actually works, but let's just talk. 
Two and three? Two and three plus... An FCS. So three and three in the other six non-Power 5 games. Uh-huh. That's And then you're hoping for three and three in the other Power 5. Right, and BYU's been closer to 50% in the Power 5 games over the last few years. Take care of group of fives in a way... Listen, you're not going to win every single one. It's not at that level. But can you go four and two? Yeah. If you will. Please. No, 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 in the five. Three and two. Go three and two and then add the FCS win... And then you go 50% against Power 5, and you're 7-5 and five with a chance to win 8 in a bowl game. I still just hate the standard. I know. Where we're going, I know. 8! 8 does nothing for anybody! <laughs> 9 even does nothing, but 10 is something, right? We've talked about how 10 is validating with uh, a ranking and whatnot. So tell me the games you're going to win. Utah in Salt Lake. Reloading. That's a tough one. Okay. This you is can't the, say that's a win. This is the best chance that BYU's had to beat Utah. No kidding in like the last five years. Michigan State at home. Brand win. new coach. Win. Go get a win, right? Win. Go get a win. Win. At Arizona State. Toss up. Toss up. Minnes- they play no defense. Their at, offense is good. At Minnesota, probably a loss. Yes. Okay. Utah State at home. Win. Two. Missouri at home is intriguing. They've had some issues, right? Academically. Didn't make yes. a bowl game. Yes. Win. I don't know. Win. Three? Okay. Uh-huh. Houston at home. Win. Northern Illinois. Win. In Bridgeview, they're te- so they're five and two. They're terrible. Northern Illinois is at not Boise good. Boise State loss. San Diego State at home toss up. North Alabama live on BYU. Win and then at Stanford toss up. So there's like six in there and there's eight in there, but there's also like a five win scenario in there, right? Hopefully BYU is better than we think. Sixty two stinks. It's probably fair given how BYU ended and what they bring back. But I hope BYU is in the top forty. No, the That's key, the goal, top forty. The key for BYU to start five and two is five and two is wow. all about winning the first game. Hit it! Countdown to the Utes. One ninety-eight. One hundred ninety-eight days away. BYU at Utah on Thursday night, September third. Can run DHC Devonte Henry Cole be the guy? Can can the former U Zach Wilson? Fan and the former Ute, literally, Devonte Henry Cole, lead the Cougars to win over the Utes in Salt Lake City. This team over <laughs> this team. <laughs> yes. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It is the penultimate show of this week. And, he, and he's Nation. our pen, uh, the next guy's the penultimate guest of the show. That he is. Jonathan Tavernari back in the Studio B. Welcome pen, back, brother. Penultimo. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, when are you shaving your head, man? Because uh, you, you put it on Twitter that you're going to do it if BYU yeah. makes the NCAA tournament. Are you, you're acting like this is some crazy move. Of course they're going to make the tourney. Yeah, I, I never said anything. I'm just saying that if when they make it, I'll shave it. Okay. Shave my head, shave my beard. Ooh. My wife probably not going to be happy with that, but, it, you know. She, she likes the beard and she the ma- Well, you know, I look European like this. Mm. So um, and she likes the European style. Well, I mean, when you live there for about a decade, you know, you get used to it. So but, she likes Italian JT more than Brazilian JT. Well, is that what you're saying? She met me when I was completely shaved and clean. Okay. And so and I look like Mister Clean, and so it's you know <laughs> upgrade but, now, right? Yeah, but you know, however, though, if you know, and the last time I was here, 
you know, I don't know. Unfortunately, they can't play the clip back because I just got here. Because apparently, when I'm wrong, you guys have clips ready to show, <laughs> right? But you know, if you remember, this gentleman right here was saying, "Oh, hey, listen, I disagree with you. Things evolve." You know, I think the Sweet 16 is very uh, BYU is very capable of getting there. So let's do this: BYU gets through Sweet 16, you shave all your head. No. Why? No. You don't have faith it, in this team. I have I have faith they can shoot themselves into a Sweet 16. Absolutely. And if they do it, you shave your head. I did the shaved head thing. It's yes. time for someone else to do it. Oh. If I shave my Jason head, I'm afraid Shepherd. it will come back. <laughs> Jason yes. Shepard. That's the yeah, most gentle thing that's been said today. I think. I think somebody's shaved their head if they got to the Sweet 16. Listen, I've done this before. I was the first. Okay. I don't want to do it again. All right, yeah. listen. You know, as my buddy Aaron Jones says, there it is. You, when you sign up, I don't want to do it again. When, you ha- you, when it's your turn to sign up people to do things, you're the first one on top of the list. But I'm signing you up now. I helped clean the church it's on time. Saturday. I want you to know that. Okay. I signed up. Right. Uh, after how long? <laughs> Months. <laughs> but I did it. And it was awesome. Okay. Well. All right, JT. Let, let's uh, keep this shaving the head theme going because <laughs> BYU basketball making the tournament has been the catalyst for this and rejoining Jay Billis with the bald brethren. He, he put out a tweet to his 1.4 million followers, sent it to you. Uh, what do you think about Jay Billis getting in on this conversation? Uh, you know, it's, to be honest, I remember watching ESPN and Jay Billis and all these guys when I was growing up. And so um, got to meet him in Vegas about, about 12 years ago or so on the Louisville and Carolina weekend. Uh, always joked around a little bit every now and then. He played in Italy as well. And so we've always talked about that, but it was funny. You know, uh, <laughs> the thing is, I don't, I don't think that uh, Brother Billis <laughs> can grow up <laughs> he here. Can't. You know? He can't. And so it's easy for you to invite people for the brotherhood, you know what I mean, uh-huh. when you got nothing uh-huh. to lose. And so that, that's why I understand, like, you got something to lose. If you really think I this, do, I do. If you really think this BYU teams. It. Uh, you know what? It's remember the movie Coneheads. You'll like look like the Conehead brothers. Let's just let's just do it's it. It's not a thing I want. You know what? You're married. Look at that. You're married. You got kids. So am I. You know we're on a path to celestial glory. I had an unhappy marriage. Let the last it, ten weeks. Let you know? it happen. All right. Yeah. Just let it happen. My wife would not have it. In fact, I even joked about it earlier in the year when BYU played at Gonzaga. Should we do this again? And right. my wife responded like, "Please no." <laughs> And she's not watching. That's so, funny. yeah. Okay, let's talk about this weekend. Obviously, Gonzaga, huge show. We're going to be in the Marriott Center tomorrow. We're doing this big show with uh, fans in, in, uh, in the Marriott Center tomorrow. Santa Clara tonight. This is a team that struggled oh, recently. Because oh, I was going to say, before, before we talk about Gonzaga, yeah. there is something going on tonight. Yes, I, you know, yes, I, yes. And we threw out our question of the day of, okay, are you overlooking or not Santa Clara? No one wants to admit any kind of overlooking. I think because BYU is in such a good position, everyone has a uh, – Quality sense of urgency, including the team, of course, regarding Santa Clara tonight. Yeah, I, and, and it's amazing. I mean, you know, I, obviously when I'm not here, I'm following the program. It's amazing to me. And it goes back to what Coach Rose said a little while ago. Fans, how many people were saying, oh, just beat Gonzaga. I'm like, fellas, hold on. If you lose to Santa Clara on Thursday, a bad loss at this late in the game, a bad loss is worse. You know, it it, it – it causes more damage than a good win does good. And so it, you can't overlook this game. You know, I, I'm going to tell you this. The very first time we got ranked back in, oh, I think it was January 06, uh, January 07, my dad, um, actually from Brazil, um, calls me. I'm walking to practice. He goes, you guys got ranked. And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, you guys got ranked. Go look at ESPN. 
I look at ESPN. That was one of the most intense practices we had ever my freshman year because we were like, we just got here. There's no way on heaven on earth that we're going to lose this top 25 thing. And thankfully, we were able to keep it for four years, right? But um, if this team and, and Mark Pope, you know, if they do exactly what I expect them to do, they're going to come out with in a very a very Brazilian expression with the knife on their teeth ready to just throttle Santa Clara. And, and why? Because if you lose to Santa Clara and you beat Gonzaga, yeah, maybe you're still in the top 25, but your tournament chances are hurt. See, and I feel like the San Diego game was the wake-up call that BYU needed. That in and of itself was kind of a trap game scenario. you just blown out LMU. Right. You should beat San Diego. You know you're coming home. Because BYU survived that, I'm with you. I think BYU comes out gangbusters tonight, and they are all in on Santa Clara. 100%. And the thing about the USD game, um, if it's not glaring, is that you don't I – think, I, I think there's two ways for you to look at it. The first one is you don't want to be on trading baskets with BYU because they're going to outscore and shoot with the best in the country. I mean, it was that way with San Diego State. I'm not going to go into that. I've done that way too many times in the show with Kansas, right? They've done that with Kansas. With Gonzaga, they hung in there. That's without Yoli. And so imagine now that you're the best three-point shooting team in the country playing at home on a rhythm, feeling good. I've always talked about, and you mentioned this, as long as they're healthy, everybody pretty much seems to be on point. But now you also have Yoli, which I think Jay Billis gave him the ultimate compliment, talking about how great of a man he is and so forth. Um, but I definitely think that BYU, because of the San Diego game, they're going to focus a little bit more on defense. Because, again, uh, the San Diego team, I think, won twice in conference. And they came, they came literally a seconds away of shocking BYU at home. And, you know, of stunning BYU at home. I don't think BYU beating San Diego um, at San Diego, that's BYU stunning San Diego. BYU was expected to win that game. Let's sure, be, sure. Certainly. BYU was more than expected to win that game. Now, they made it interesting. Lo and behold, TJ uh, bailed us out again. Um, but I think that it, it's one of those situations that um, where you're going to see them ready to go um, will be on defense. And it's important because BYU's resume looks really good right now. BYU's a six with Lenardi. The opportunity to have a six is really important. I think avoiding a one or two seed would be awesome to not have to be a seven, eight, or nine. Although we're saying just avoid eight, nine. Like almost anything but eight, nine. And, and you played in an eight, nine game. It's you know, Yeah, it does. And, and you played in a couple. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough matchup. I mean, my, my freshman year, we played against Xavier, and if it wasn't for Drew Lavender. Oh, Drew Lavender. With, you know, just cook and just going. And I think he had like 24, 26 points, something like that. Came down to the last shot. My sophomore year against A&M, we started just cold. I mean, started 12, 13 years, something like that. My junior year against A&M again, I don't know why we played them again, but in our senior year, obviously, you know, first NCAA tournament victory, uh, first team to win 30 wins, also in school history. But um, I think that, and I know, I know your point of view, but I think you and I are more in line on this. As long as BYU makes it there, I'm okay this year. And I know it's a special team. We've we've decided and, and it's been determined that this is a special team because of the camaraderie, the environment. It it literally has brought excitement back to Krugertown. And being in the Mayor at Center is cool and waiting in lines is the thing to do. So we've established that. But 
this team making to the NCAA tournament, to be honest, looking from not only a fan perspective, but a fan that actually knows the game, has been there. I think that BYU getting there and putting up a good fight this season is a job well done. And then obviously if they win, then you you know, you just kind of get things rolling and so forth. But again, and I know that you're going to say that's evolved, but sometimes you got to crawl before you walk and run. Jonathan no, no, no. I get out of bed and I sprint. To work, JT. I don't warm up. I don't even stretch. I just go, and baby! And if you have your hair shaved, the aerodynamics on that, <laughs> you'll be, be faster. Jonathan Tabernari with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's the chance BYU goes 2-0 and this week without Dalton Nixon in the lineup? It's, it's a funny thing you said that because Dalton is the heart and soul of this team, and you saw it as against San Diego. And the reason why is because it takes a whole lot of stuff to be able to be unselfish, to be a senior, to not be hunting for your own shot, and to be like, you know what, I'm going to do something extra for the team instead of just looking for, you know, the the glory and all of that. Um, it's not easy, all right? Um, after the career I had between my freshman and my junior year to go to Coach Rose's office and say, hey, for this team right here, for us to be really good, you need to start Noah instead of me. It's not easy to do. Especially I'm a senior, I want to have contract, um, I have the national team and expectations and so forth. Um, it's not easy. So what Dalton is doing, the reason why I say that he's the most important thing, and more, uh, excuse me, the most important player, um, um, he's the heart and soul of this team, excuse me, is because he's unselfish, he's playing defense, he's taking charges. Um, it's not easy for you to put your body like that on the line every single time. I mean, how many times he takes charges, let alone tries to take charges, and he pounds it and pounds it. And so I think there will be um, the, Gavin, the Gavin Baxter, uh, you know, uh, uh, come to Jesus of having to make sure that he's ready to go. It's going to have to be that much quicker. And, I mean, I know Coach Pope said that, you know, Gavin, the last few game, a few practices, it's up to par and he's getting better. But it's uh, – Jay said something extremely well. Uh, BYU is not a rim protector team, Right. But Gavin changes that because he's a leaper and he's long and he can block shots and alter shots. However, Gavin is not 100%. And with all Dalton there, defensively, that's where BYU lacks the most. Also, Mm -hmm. um, making that extra pass, swinging from one side to the other without holding the ball. And so if BYU does it, I think that it's even more of a testament to how good uh, Mark Pope is, how my wife says, the genius of Mark Pope of getting these guys to bow in and being selfish. JT, let's keep the knife in the teeth, huh? Okay. And, and go get it. Hey, yeah, I didn't yeah. learn that one as a missionary. I got a real <laughs> – hey, you know what? How about this really bad joke from Brazil? Um, what do you call a guy that can't stand up? What? Neil. <laughs> hey, you got to love Brazilian's dumb jokes, right? I called that a Ted joke. I love so. Brazilians. They're the best. Oh, that's okay, fantastic. Awesome. Thanks, JT. <laughs> One of your more epic having. performances it, on the show, my friend. I, you know what? I appreciate it. And again, don't overlook. I got to tell you this because he and I are on par. Don't overlook Santa Clara, all right? Don't be thinking about Who's the show tomorrow. Who's playing tonight? Hey, there you go. See? <laughs> Don't hey, we're gonna put him I'm on. I'm not t- on the team. You're gonna be on timeout next week, all right? <laughs> if this happens, you don't I'm watch just the show very much, I'm, do you? I'm just saying. You're I say be, a lot of stuff. You're man. gonna be on timeout. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's talk more BYU football. They had a scheduling change with Houston, that game time uh, moving to a Friday. 
but now we turn our attention to what the BYU football defensive line is going to look like when the Cougars take on the other Cougars. And for that matter, in 197 days, BYU opens the season against the Utah Utes. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan, here is a look back and a look forward at the BYU football defensive line. Jerem? I'm just looking forward. No time to look back. Kairos you know Tonga That's... headlines everything, does yeah, he not? we're going to turn it into salt, yeah. Uh, Kairos Tonga is the guy. He's the best defensive lineman BYU's bring back, clearly, right? Lorenzo Falte had some injuries. That was a, a big deal for BYU. He can be a quality player. Devin Kafusi kind of played a little linebacker D-line, so we'll see here where he fits. Uriah Leatawa's back, had a good game against Toledo. Atunai Samahe is kind of the second version of Kairos Tonga. They would switch those guys out. Earl Tui, uh, Tuiotu Mariner was a guy that was getting some good reps. Zach Dahl will throw sh- opposing quarterback shoes, which is always important. <laughs> Certain ad- additions that may have an impact, we'll see there. Young Tanner Baker from Moore Park, California. He is my favorite BYU football player ever from Moore Park. There is nobody else Hi, that is better than Tanner Baker from Moore Park. And uh, Tyler Batty, 6'5", 235 from Payson. Kalani Sitake mentioned him on signing day as a guy he's excited to have back. So this is a group that, to me, has underperformed. I need more sacks. I don't want the excuse of, well, they just stuffed the run. I need to see more out of this group. BYU needs to play a 4-3 at the defensive line is to be Well, they just put a linebacker in the line. I know. That, that, that's what they do. But you got four down linemen, then maybe there are more opportunities for a guy like Kairos Tonga or Lorenzo Fawatea or Uriah Leatawa to come up with some bigger plays. Four down linemen. I don't know if BYU is going to do that because their best athletes have technically been at linebacker, and so why would that change? But So really they are just block eaters and run stoppers, and and that's that's what it's probably going to be again. It's probably what it's going to be again. Boring. As promised. Feeling the juice in the Marriott Center and fantastic fans behind us. It is time that we count down the top five BYU basketball wins over Gonzaga. Presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Number five, February 20th, 2014. The Cougars down 25th ranked Gonzaga, 73-65. Anson Winder led the Cougars with 17. Matt Carlino, remember him? He had 15. Game tied at 39 at the half, but BYU open on a 6-0 run. Freshman Eric Mika, there he goes. Didn't have the goggles in this game yet. 13 points, 8 rebounds. Number 4, January 14th, 2016, the Nate Austin block game. As Austin says, talk to the hand, Kyle Wilcher at the end. Grabs the rebound, secures a 69-68 win over 25th-ranked Gonzaga. Again in the kennel, Kyle Collinsworth had a game-high 20 points. 18 coming in the second half. Collinsworth and Chase Fisher led the Cougars on an 8-0 run late. Austin's game-winning block tied him with McKelly Wesley for 12th most in BYU history. Get that out of here! That block was awesome. Number three, February 28th, 2015. The streak starter as Kyle Collinsworth put in 20. BYU beat third-ranked Gonzaga. I shaved my head after this game. Mm-hmm. They won in Spokane for the first time in program history. The first of three. Spoiler alert. Skyler Halford had 14. Corbin Kafusi began his undefeated streak. He had 7.6 boards, three blocks, and four wonderful fouls. In at number two, and this may be a little bit of a shocker. 
The NCAA Tournament, March 19, 2011. How sweet it is. BYU advances to the Sweet 16 of that tournament after drubbing the 11-seed Zags, 89-67. His Jimmerness going for 34 points on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Jackson Emery and Noah Hartsock scored 16 and 13, respectively. A very young Kyle Collinsworth led the Cougars with seven rebounds. BYU would fall to the Florida Gators in the Sweet 16, but it was the deepest BYU tournament run since Danny Ainge back in 1981. Before BYU got in the league, they just punched Gonzaga right in the mouth before coming in. That might have been the worst thing we could have done, right? But it was awesome to win that game. And the number one win versus Gonzaga, February 25th, 2017, 29 and don't! Yes! BYU trails this game 18-2. But comes back and wins by 8, 79-71. Number one Gonzaga goes down. It was another win. It was another top five Gonzaga team going down. Perhaps a blueprint for what BYU needs to do is Elijah Bryant and Eric Mika and Nick Emery and TJ Haas and Corbin Kafusi went into the kennel and won that game. That was unbelievable. But we, what we really left out is that the number one win over Gonzaga... It'll be adjusted tomorrow. It's going to be tomorrow night. (laughs) (laughs) Number two Gonzaga in the Marriott Center on senior night. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Let's take it up a notch and bring on our next guest, junior guard for 23rd-ranked BYU basketball, number 18 in the net rankings, Alex Barcelo. This guy can shoot it. Uh, Yes, he can shoot it. In fact, you are 50 for 100 from the three-point line this season, Alex. Uh, What do you attribute that uptick to in your shooting? Um, just my teammates and my coaches, you know, they, they stress it every day and uh, they're just uh, constantly telling me, I mean, we trust you to shoot the ball. So, um, I mean, I have ultimate confidence that my teammates and my coaches are behind me. Is that a mustache you're growing? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I told Zach. <laughs> I, are, we, are, we in, are we in 4K? Can we even see it? You went, so Zach encouraged you? Is that yeah, he, he did. Him, him and then uh, Coach Shork, our strength coach. Is it, oh, okay. is it helping your game? Just, a little bit, yeah. A it's bringing bit? more toughness to me. More, more <laughs> toughness? <laughs> nice. That's Alex, awesome. you're a really smart person. So why are you listening to Zach Selyus for fashion advice? (laughs) (laughs) He's a a trendsetter. (laughs) We're not going to say which direction. That he is. And I love Zach. Nobody knows him more so than Zach himself. Yeah. Let's talk about Gonzaga in a sec. But uh, last night, getting the win. That was was a tough one. And sometimes it comes by different means, right? Five minutes to go. It's a two-point game. Walk us through kind of what happened in the final five to get that victory. Um, You know, we really uh, buckled down and uh, just – told each other we're going to battle through this adversity. We've done it all year. And, uh, I mean, it's a great attribute to our student section. I mean, I think we have the best six men in the country. Uh, <laughs> so it really helps us when they're, when they're in the, I mean, getting in uh, the opponent's head on the free throws and uh, just, just talking to them on the sidelines. Um, but, you know, we, we really just buckled down and battled through adversity and just told each other we're going to get stops and then um, translated to the offensive end. It was clear that Santa Clara was not going to let BYU beat them from the three-point line. So at what point in the game did the whole mindset shift to, okay, guard TJ Haas one-on-one, or Alex Barcelo one-on-one, or Yoli Childs, or Jake Toulson? When did you go full in on that method? 
Uh, I mean, definitely through the run in the second half. Um, but, I mean, they started out the game just trying to lock down all of us and not let any threes get up. I mean, even in the post, they were they were trying to crowd the post a lot um, and not let uh, Yoli get any passes out to three-point shots. Um, so they, they really played good defense. But, I mean, like I said, we battled through adversity. And uh, that's what's uh, so great about this team, I think, is we're, we're always trying to battle through adversity and find um, the upper hand in, in any way that may be, whether it's a three-point line or getting in the paint and making the extra pass or the, the layup. We were talking about uh, the difference uh, the last couple of games. They've been tight. You've had to grind them. You've had to win a different way, right? And uh, perhaps the only common theme is the fact that Dalton Nixon's not in there. So how have you guys compensated for the loss of Dalton? Uh, just bringing that toughness, you know. He, he brings that, like, that dog mentality on the floor, whether he's diving for a 50-50 ball or taking the charge um, or making that extra, the extra pass to the three-point shot. Um, just, just bringing that intensity. I mean, and, and he's been great. I mean, a couple of days ago in practice, he was kind of inspired me just because he was out on the court in his boot um, helping Gavin, I mean, uh, with a little trick on how to guard the ball screen. And I was just like, that's just something that makes this team so special is we're all close-knit and uh, just so close together that, like, we have players like him who's a senior, who's a leader, and can go out there and do that whether he's hurt or not. In your words, how would you explain the ginger mamba, TJ Haas? <laughs> Great, I mean, phenomenal player, you know. Um, he can make the assist, he can make the open three, he can make the, the jump shot, um, he can take it to the rack. Um, just uh, an all-around great player. And, I mean, we saw it down the stretch last night. Um, he had a couple great big-time shots, and uh, that helped us push us towards our win. What's the season been like for you? Because you transfer, you go to a different school, you're hoping it works out, you're probably going to redshirt. Nope, you get the waiver, you're playing, you're starting, you're a double-digit scorer, it's a ranked team. This has been quite the journey. No, it has for sure. Um, I mean, I, 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 I give all the thanks and glory to God. Um, I'm, I'm a very faithful person. Um, you're getting some amens in the background here from the crowd. That's great. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure, though, you know, I, I, I couldn't have done this without him. Um, and then also my teammates and my lovely girlfriend who's standing over there. He's always here. Uh, <laughs> She's here. <laughs> She's a part of this. <laughs> and uh, just uh, battling through that adversity um, and, and then just, you know, working every day with my teammates and my coaching staff um, and, and knowing that they're all standing behind me, um, especially Cougar Nation. I mean, the, the love that I got when I came here, it was just unbelievable. And, I mean, it really made me feel like I was at home. So I think that's been uh, really key in, in my transition here. BYU is ranked 23rd, the first AP ranking that the Cougars have had since Jimmer Fredette wore a jersey in this building in 2010-2011. How has what has happened this season compared to the expectations you had coming into BYU? Um. I mean, there was very high expectations for us from all of Cougar Nation. Um, we, uh, I mean, we had a, a goal at the beginning of the season to achieve something greater than our, ourselves individually, and I think that we're we're on that path right now. But we're not uh, getting complacent with where we are right now. You know, we're we're still trying to achieve um, even greater things, and uh, we're just wanting to stay on that track and, and stay working and hopefully keep winning. Okay, let's talk about the Zags. It was a 23-point game up there, but Yoli Child is in this game. It's at home. It's a sold-out Marriott Center. It's seven seniors. There's certainly more juice for this one this time around. What do you expect? How do you, how do you compete? How do you win this game? Um, just getting 50-50 balls, getting, getting it on the defensive end. You know, they're a very good transition team, so we're going to have to make transition stops. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to have to hit our shots, and, and I have no doubt about that. I mean, we're a great shooting team. Um, 
and we're going to come in here with our home crowd and, and just hopefully pull it out. Um, we have no doubt in our minds that we can do that, and I, I'm, I'm pretty positive that Cougar Nation thinks the same. Um, <laughs> so we're, uh, we're very pumped for this game, and we're going to come in with that dog mentality just like Dalton Nixon brings, and uh, we're going to come in ready for a battle. Alex, you've been a season-long manifestation of the BYU Sports Nation karma. We already mentioned you're shooting 50 for 100 from the three-point line, but let's double down. Let's give you some more BYU Sports Nation karma more, like, tomorrow the max, against the Zags. Yes. Maximum dosage allowed legally to you <laughs> for tomorrow. All right. It has been officially transferred. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, man. Best of luck tomorrow thanks against Gonzaga. Thank you. Yeah. Good, luck. Good luck with that mustache. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You need karma for that for <laughs> sure. <need> that too. <laughs> Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Men's basketball. Cougars beat Santa Clara 85-75 last night. TJ freaking Haas led the Cougars with 28 points and 9 assists. Yoli Childs and Jake Toulson both posted double-doubles. 23rd-ranked BYU plays second-ranked Gonzaga on this very floor. Tomorrow night, pregame on the radio starts at 9 Eastern. The game's on BYU Radio and ESPN2. Eric Mika scored eight points and grabbed six rebounds in a Team USA 83-70 win over Puerto Rico in the America. Jimmer! Fredette and Panathinaikos take on Brandon Davies in FC Barcelona in a EuroLeague game today at 2.30 Eastern Time. Volleyball. Second-ranked BYU men's volleyball sweeps Concordia Urban in straight sets and moved to 14-0 on the season. Second-best start in program history. A block party in the Smithfield House led by Davide Gardini. Gabi Garcia-Fernandez, his friend, now tied for six most aces in a single season with 42. BYU seeking a 15-0 start when they host USC tomorrow night. Live on BYU TV, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Jerem Jordan and Steve Vale on the call. Women's basketball. The ladies also defeated uh, Santa Clarita, 60-51. Paisley Johnson, game high, 28. She's a baller. She got to 1,000 career points, 15th Cougar ever to do that. Baseball. As Jerry mentioned, the Batcats of BYU baseball moved to three and two this season after beating Cal Poly six to two thanks to four runs in the eighth inning. Austin Deming two for four with a triple and three runs batted in. The Cougars play Cal Poly again tonight, nine Eastern. Listen locally on BYU Radio 107.9 FM and nationally on the BYU Cougars app. Track and field. Some of the Cougars are in Winston-Salem, North Carolina at the JDL Fast Track before next week's MPSF Championships in Seattle, where they were a week ago. Softball. BYU split a pair of games in the Coachella Valley, Cathedral City, California. The Cougars used two home runs from Hunter Ava and Riley Jensen McFarland to beat UC Riverside 5-2 before an 11-1 loss to Notre Dame in that nightcap. BYU now 3-3 this season. Take on Nebraska in Southern California today as they continue playing the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic. Golf. The 15th-ranked men's team tied for first at the John A. Burns Intercollegiate in Hawaii after day one. Peter Quest for perfection, tied for first after shooting a 69 in round one. Dude's unbelievable. Wow. Football. Former Cougars T. John Karoma and his Houston Roughnecks of the XFL take on Micah Hanneman and the Tampa Bay Vipers tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. They got paid last week, which is great. Tomasi Laulule <laughs> and the Dallas Renegades play the Seattle Trackers! Yeah. Don't forget DeAndre Wesley and his D.C. defenders who face the Los Angeles Wildcats on Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Swimming and diving. And last but not least, in the longest whip of all time. On day two of the MPSF Championships in California, Katie McBratney takes first in the 200 individual medley, and Jared Shaw wins the men's 50 free.
The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. You know who understands a lot about winning, Jerem? I do. do. Mm -hmm. Our our next guest. Mm -hmm. Joining us in Studio B, and we are so glad to have her back, Jody Maxfield, longtime Cougarettes coach and the pride of Hillcrest High School. Jody, welcome back. You're, right. You're a husky? <laughs> I'm a husky. Nice. No huskies. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome. Well, you and you started your dance uh, career in high school, became a cougarette at BYU in the late yeah. 70s, and have just like sprinted. Why you, you got to date it like that? Sprinted then. She looks fabulous, does yes, she not? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. She's fabulous. Thank you. And, and you guys know the right things to say. <laughs> Thank you. You're retiring, which is big news with yeah. the cougarettes, right? Yeah, I guess you would call that big news. 19 national championships that you have coached. So, yeah, we're, we're going to term that big news that you're leaving the program. <laughs> what, what went into the decision of, okay, 2020 is going to be the final year? You know, I can't say there was any one thing. 30 years is a long time to um, focus on something, and I just felt like it was time to let my family have some of my time. So that's pretty much the decision. When did you decide that after competing and dancing yourself that, you wanted to stay with this. Like, what, what happened? What switched in your mind? You're like, I, I don't want to leave dancing. Yeah. You know, I think I, dancing's in my blood. It's something I've done my entire life. And when I came to BYU and I was a cougarette myself, I fell in love with the program. More importantly, I fell in love with the sisterhood. I felt it. And I came back and did choreography before I was asked to come and apply for the job and then was given the job. And since then, it's just been something that I am really passionate about. I have loved challenging myself and challenging my dancers to see what we could accomplish, you know, how high we could push the bar and lift the bar. I don't know the history of the Cougarettes. Can you describe kind of, okay, back when, what was it versus what it is now? Yeah. The Cougarettes have been around for 74 years. (laughs) So the 50s, somewhere around there? 1946 is when they started. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been a coach for 30 of those 74 years. So that's a lot of years to be a part of that. When are you writing your book? (laughs) <laughs> when I get a few hours to myself. <laughs> what was it like 30 years ago? Because I, I, I bet it was very different from what it yeah, is Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it was starting to become more of a dance team. When I was a cougarette, it was strictly marching in formations. I mean, we danced as well, but that was primarily what we did. And when it was first organized, it was kind of something to just give um, young coeds something to be a part of, to cheer for the Cougars and all of that. So you can see it's evolved greatly since then. I think it has done wonders for the brand of the school and the brand of the religion. Um, yeah. Because when people see the Cougarettes, they go, oh, they one, they can dance. Some yeah. people think, ah, Mormons, they're weird. No, no, no. Look how yeah. normal we are, right? And <laughs> right. in fact, progressive in terms of, yeah, it's hip hop and it's cool, right? So when did you decide... Hey, we need to be, uh, I guess, progressive and 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 use popular music and stuff like that. Sure, um, you know, I think with the um, introduction of competition, we started competing in. Um, 1996, and we won our first title in 1997. And I think it really has been something that we have seen um, on and or over and over and over again that, you know, we really do represent the very best um, of BYU and of the LDS Church. And who would think that the Mormon school 
can win in hip hop. And in fact, that's what we I'm have, saying. We have you six hip hop titles. Perception. Yeah, right? we've shattered perception. Well, yep. and people need to understand something. There are several different levels that you can compete at mm-hmm. across the collegiate dancing. BYU is competing in the top division, the Absolutely. ND. I mean, it is the best of the best. So these national championships, you know, other schools are like, oh, we've won all of these. The, to me, it's like, you know, those aren't as good as the real thing. BYU You're the Clemson. You're the, the Alabama yes. of, of uh, that competition, well, right? At what point were you like, we need to be the best of the best, and we're going to compete at the highest level? You know, I think that that's always been my philosophy. I mean, there's, there's no um, – reason to compete in anything other than the very highest. I feel like we've got the very best dancers. The dancers that I'm blessed to have on the Cougarettes are, they're kind of the same as I am. We have the same types of personalities. We strive to be the best we can be. They want to be pushed. They want to be challenged and, you know, in everything that they do. In fact, we're working right now to win titles 20 and 21 and we've got two amazing routines and the girls are ready they're up to the task i don't want to offend any other uh schools or dance groups but when they and we see all of them like at different tournaments and games when they come out i go that's really nice <laughs> when the cougarettes <laughs> We're come so out, spoiled <laughs> everyone stops and watches it is yeah. must see uh for people I, I guess uh how do you how do you quantify the pride you take in you know what this is a showstopper when when yeah. the girls go out it's a big deal yeah it is. I mean, people look forward to seeing our time out at basketball games. Obviously, our routines with Cosmo have been viral many times over. And um, I think we have more followers than any other collegiate dance team by tens of thousands. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we really are liked and followed and watched and, you know, by people all over the world. And it, it's really quite, um, quite special to be able to say that. BYU and the Cougarettes head to Daytona Beach, Florida, to compete for potential titles 20 and 21. Um, but that's not, that's not the end no. for, for the Cougarettes or, or for you. I mean, you've you got some big things coming. Yeah. Yeah. Before I retire, we are headed to Daytona Beach to compete at nationals in jazz and hip-hop again. So we're hoping for titles 20 and 21. And then we are just um, able to announce that we were, for the second year in a row, selected as the U.S. national team. Last year, we went and competed in the hip-hop division. We took second behind Japan, who is incredible. And we felt really proud of our placing there. This year, we'll be going in in jazz. So I think it really speaks to how versatile and um, how amazing these girls are, that they can do it all. That's awesome. Congratulations. Representing stuff. the U.S. again. That's yep. awesome. Well, we know that you're going to miss these occasional visits to Studio B. Uh, <laughs> or you had enough, and that's why you're retired. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Like, I'm, I'm done with that. All kidding aside, uh, congratulations Thank on just you. a fabulous career. Thank it's so uh, It's been an incredible run. And, and I'm serious when I discuss the effect on the brand. I think it's been really meaningful for the church and BYU. Thank so, you. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Jody. Can't wait to watch. We're booking our tickets to Daytona yeah, in wait, April. Uh, this just in. Uh, ben Bagley, we're going to Florida. Uh, coming up. <laughs> that wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.